0: 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning verse 17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him, and well-doing, as unto a faithful creator. So that's reading the last three verses of the fourth chapter of the book of 1 Peter. And if we had a thought or a text, it'd be scarcely saved. Now most of you are like I am. You have been in church all your life. Either here at Dutch Bottoms or at another local church somewhere. and. Maybe you've taught Sunday school or led singing or been the Sunday school superintendent or or been a preacher or a pastor at one time or another. I want you to know that's not going to count anything towards salvation. Now I want you to listen to this verse. Verse 19. And if the righteous scarcely be saved. I recall lots of good men, preacher men, that we had as pastors over at Rankin growing up. Much better pastors, much better men than I'll ever be. And I look around at the folks that's left Dutch Bottoms since I've been here. I thought of, of Jess Moss yesterday morning yeah. and other folks that we've lost here at Dutch Bottoms. And they were faithful to the church, they loved the Lord. They lived for Him when they wasn't in between the walls of the building. They lifted up His name wherever they went. I would dare to call those folks righteous. But this verse says, if the righteous scarcely be saved. If I preach until I'm a hundred years old, if God blesses me with that many years, if I never miss another church service, if I try to obey His will and His Spirit every time I come to church, if I'm good to my neighbor, if I love everybody, if I do everything the Bible says, I'll barely make it in. We just, by the, You've heard the old saying by the skin of your teeth. That's me. That's how you and I are going to get in. <coughs> we're just scarcely saved. We take it for granted, don't we? We get down and mumble a multitude of words and repeat phrases that we repeat over and over when we pray. You know what we ought to be praying? You know what we ought to be thanking God for? That we're not burning right now. Because if we got what we deserve, we'd be burning in hell. That's, that's the way we've lived. That's the life that we've lived. That's the, that's, the, that's the carelessness that we've that we've handled this with. And we just barely are going to make it in. Just by the skin of our teeth. Scarcely saved. And that's the righteous. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? Now we look around in our lives today, around in our world today, we've got folks, we've got people on the roll book of Dutch bottoms that start darkening the door since I've been your pastor. I've been here seven plus years. We've got folks that start darkening the door of the church in years. If the righteous... The saints, as we would call them, that we looked up to, that we admired, that we tried to pattern our lives after, if they're scarcely saved, where shall those folks? that's never darkened the door of the house of God appear. Where shall those folks that's never bowed a knee to Christ appear? Where shall those folks that's on the bottle, that's on the pill, that lives every ungodly way under the face of the earth, where shall they appear? I'm here to tell you Marty taught a good lesson this morning. It went right along with what God's given me to preach this morning. I'm telling you today, there is a day that we will stand before the Lord and give account for the deeds done in the body well preacher when that day comes I'll fix it all up I'll tell him what I've done and what I've not done no you won't you'll stand there with your knees shaking in fear before an almighty justified Savior glorified Savior that has every right to judge you because he paid the price for your sin at Calvary I'll get it straightened out on that day. You better not wait till then. The time has come and now is that judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. Thou art inexcusable, old man. Is that not what the book says? We're without excuse. Christ has already paid the price for our sins. Not just for mine because I'm a preacher. For John Dykes because he was a sinner and God loved him. Oh, for Kiva, because she was a sinner and God loved her. For Kim, because she was a sinner and God loved her. I'm here to tell you today, we take it for granted that we're just going to be all right, that we're going to be okay, and I believe in eternal salvation. But I'm here to tell you today, we've got a lot... And stay as Roger requested prayer today for the service. The service is not over. The service is still going on, and you can still get saved this hour if you'll call on the name of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Scarcely saved. Well, preacher, I never miss church. Preacher, I've been in church all my life. I try my best to pray. I try my best to do the teachings of the Bible. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. I've told this anecdote several times. Dad, whenever I was growing up, and some of you men know what I'm talking about, he would change his own oil. And you had to crawl down under the car to change the filter. You'd crawl down under there and you'd take a rag and you'd turn that filter, and as you begin to loosen that filter, the looser it got, oil would seep out. He's around the casing of the filter and down your hand if you weren't careful. So he would take a rag, and he would turn that filter until he got the filter off so that the oil wouldn't run down his arm. I You know what happened? We, he changed the filter. The car still ran. But you know what happened to the rag after that? It was useless. You couldn't use it for nothing because it was covered with a hole. You couldn't use it to clean anything else because the oil would pick up anything that was on it. The rag was useless. That's about where we are. We're just about useless without the Lord. He's the only hope of redemption that we have. And if we got what we deserve, we'd be in hell this instant. So we ought to be thanking Him for eternal salvation. And quit taking it for granted that everybody's going because there's few that's going to enter in. The the Bible says straight is the gate. And there is. I'm not. I believe I'm preaching you the T.J. Version Bible, Marty. Straight is the gate. And there is the way that leadeth to life everlasting. And few me, that enter therein. Not everybody is going to heaven. I hope you are. And if you get there, you'll get there just like I did. By grace... Through faith you're saved and that not of yourselves left any man should boast. It is the gift of God. Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable <laughs> gift. Oh, I was headed for a devil's hell. I was in, I was doomed to burn, but God sent His Son. The gift of God is eternal life. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. What is wrong with us that we would take for granted such a great gift? What is wrong with us that we wouldn't consider our lowly estate? You don't deserve heaven, and I don't either. Now you tell me. I'm just, Keith, I'm just speaking from my experience. You tell me, when you got down on your knees and asked the Lord to save you, you didn't ask Him to go to heaven, did you? You just wanted Him to save you from hell. I didn't want to go to hell, Marty. I didn't want to die. I didn't want to burn. I had heard the preacher preach about hell. Well, preacher, you shouldn't scare our children. They need to be scared of that place. Amen. They need to be afraid of it. They need to know that there is more to life than just what they can hold in their hand. They need to know that there's a better way. They need to know that when they lay this flesh down, that there's an eternity. They're going to live somewhere. They're either going to burn in hell or they're going to live in heaven when this life is over. And if you're going to go to heaven, you must be Born again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is born of flesh is flesh and that is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel on what Jesus said. Yeah. Then I say to you you must be born again. You can have your name on the church book. We've got a clerk sitting right here and she writes it down with members joined. She's got the date. She's got everything recorded. But the Lord is not going to ask Debbie Reed for the roll book to Dutch bottoms. If you got saved by the grace of God, your name's been written in the last book of life. And if you've not been saved, there's a place ready. He's (laughs) opened. He's opened the seals. He's unsealed it. He's got it open, spread out before Him. And in the place that's empty, is a place He's standing waiting, ready in it with His blood to write your name. in the Lamb's book of life. You know what's going to keep me out of hell? The fact that He wrote my name. Amen. Amen. Life is short, and life is hard, and eternity is long. If you're going to escape hell, you better do it today. You better call him. He's nigh to them that are of a broken heart, and we'll save such as be of a contrite spirit. I stop over at my mom's every Sunday. She's by herself now. And although she can do things on her own, I like to try to help her a little bit when I can. And I stop over there. I raise the garage door and I get her car out of the garage, park it in the driveway and put the garage door down so she don't have to fool with that. And she has to leave a little earlier than I have to be over here. So she usually goes ahead and leaves. And I lock the door up. before I left today, I went back to the back bedroom. And I opened up the door. The room is changed. The high-back piano is not there any longer. They got rid of it years ago. The little half-bedroom suit that was in there was gone long before I ever moved out. There's a queen-size bed sitting right in the middle of the room. But I had to open that door and look at that room. And under the frame of that queen-size bed, you can't see it, but it's there. There's a spot... Or I ask Jesus to save my soul. Friend, you better have a spot. You better know that you're saved by the grace of God. When you get saved, there's a change in you. When you get saved, the world looks a lot better. When you get saved, those you once hated (laughs) you can now love. When you get saved, those that have done you wrong you can forgive. I'm here to tell you today, God makes a difference. Scarcely saved. For it's by His mercies that we are not consumed. You want better news than that? They're new every morning. John, he had to extend a lot of mercy to me yesterday, but he don't run out, Gary. He? He's got new mercy for me today. Amen. Great is thy faithfulness. Roger, I've let him down so many times, I don't see why he don't just give up on me. Why he don't just throw in the towel on this old boy and say, forget it. He just burned made it in anyway. He scarcely got saved. Why should I have any more mercy for Him? But yet He does again today. And tomorrow, He's faithful. He'll never let you down. I'm here to tell you today, we've got a wonderful, wonderful Savior casting all your cares on Him for He careth for you. Amen. That's not exclusive to Marty. That's not exclusive to Johnny. That's not exclusive to Robert. But he's got mercy and grace for everyone. Under the sound of my voice, he just wants to be your friend. A man who desires friendly friends must first show himself friendly. If it's been a long time since you talked to him, try Jesus. He never fails. Amen. Amen. I believe the Lord's going to help me a little bit. Amen. Sometimes you've got to press your way. And then sometimes it just comes. Scared the righteous scarcely should, should be saved. For the time is coming now, is yes, that judgment must first begin at the house of God. So, Marty taught on it this morning. <coughs> Revelation says... I saw the dead, great and small, stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and the books were opened. And men were judged according to the deeds done in the body. Now I want you to to listen. When he casts judgment, it's not a trial. It's not to determine guilt or innocence because you're guilty and you know it and I know it. You know when you fail the Lord and I know when I fail the Lord. You know when you sin and I know when I sin. So guilt or innocence is irrelevant. We're guilty. He's just going to pronounce a sentence. That's right, a preacher I'll plead the fifth no you won't this will be the final judgment you're not going to delay the court hearing you're not going to put it off to another day because that's the last day that's period right. mm-hmm. you'll stand before him but now I don't want to deceive you for the time is coming now is that judgment must first begin at the house of God How many times has this been quoted lately at Dutch Bottoms? For if a man knoweth to do good. Is this Bible? Is this King James Version Bible? I'm expecting you folks at Dutch Bottoms to know that. I'm expecting you to read God's Word. I'm expecting you to know when I'm preaching you the King James Version Bible and when I'm filling your your head with lies. (laughs) Is this not in the King James Version Bible? Listen friends, for the time is coming now is that judgment must first begin at the house of God. If a man knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You may have never turned a liquor bottle to your lips, you may have never committed adultery, you may never have lied, you may never have deceived someone, but if you've and not obeyed the voice of the Lord, you sinned. Amen. For all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. And sin is sin, is sin, is sin. And when we're wrong, we're wrong, and we know it, and we can feel conviction come upon us. We've been judged. Amen. For the time is coming now is that judgment must first begin at the house of God. And if the righteous scarcely... Be saved, I can't even claim that moniker. I can't even claim that title of being righteous. So don't include me when you look at, look at saints that we've had along life's ways. That's not me. I'm far from that. But if those folks that we look up to that were godly, if they, the folks that we had God's power in their lives and we admire and we thank the world of, if we look to those folks and if they scarcely be saved... Where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? Where do you fit in? Where do you fit in? Would you, would, you, would you compare the way you're living and your life today to the saints? I think about Eric's grandpa. Good, godly man. Was faithful to the church, did everything he could for, for the church for as long as he possibly could. He paid his tithes, he did everything he could. A good, godly man. And my life don't measure up to being like that. Oh, scarcely say, where are we? Where do we fit into that? Where shall a sinner and the ungodly appear? I'm here to tell you today, we've got a long way to go to get to the moniker of being righteous. Listen, it don't matter where you come from. It matters where you're going. Rahab was a harlot, but she got saved. Mary Magdalene, they say she lived lived a really rough life, but she got saved. The woman at the well had five husbands, and the one that she had then was not her own, but she got saved. Her testimony changed. She went from somebody that the world would dismiss to somebody that they listened to because she got saved. Friend, Now I want to say when you meet Jesus, it changes you. Changes your ways. Would you take advice from Legion and him running naked in the tombs? Is that somebody you'd go to for advice? Would you take advice from Legion, him cutting himself with lances and hurting himself? Is that somebody you talked to for advice? But yet, after he met Jesus, he was clothed, sitting at Jesus' feet. Amen. And in his right mind. They saw a radical and essential difference between the righteous and the wicked. All right. If the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? Let me read that other verse, and then I'm going to go on to another Scripture, and we'll be done here in just a few minutes. Last verse, Wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. Life has not gone my way, preacher. The ball has not bounced my way. I'm so down, I'm so out. Let me tell you something. All that you need to worry about is where you're going when this life is over. If today has Not been your day. If today the ball has not bounced your way, if today you've not gotten what you wanted from the Lord, let me reveal something to you. One day will be a great day, and tomorrow very well be that. You may never have the earthly things you want in this life, but there's much more in heaven that's better than anything this tribe can offer. Amen. What I'm saying is there'll be a great day one day after a while. For the great and notable day of the Lord has come. And who shall be able to stand? I could ask you to raise your hand. There's not one person under the sound of my voice that's not had a bad day. That's not had a day where the things have not gone well. Where the ball has not bounced your way. That you've not went through a trial. That you've not went through a heartache. And I know there's people here under the sound of my voice facing things they don't know how the outcome's going to be. But I'll commit my soul to him. I'll let him keep it. If I had to keep it, I'd mess it up. If I had to keep it, something would go wrong. But I'll leave it to the Lord. He's the one that redeemed it anyway. All right, let's go on. I believe Zane mentioned this Scripture last Sunday. Two men went to the temple to pray. A Pharisee and a publican. And the Pharisee got down to pray. And if we're not... You know who the Pharisees are, don't you? They're the folks that are holier than them. They're the folks that believe in tradition. They're the folks that knew every jot and tittle of the law. They're the folks that look down on others that didn't live the way that they lived. Yeah. That was Old Testament preacher, no. Honey, we've got them folks in this day and age too. And what they have not realized is they're scarcely saved. Right. What they have not realized is they just barely gonna make it in by the skin of their teeth. Amen. Amen. They're no different than me. They're no different than you. We think because we've been in church for years that we're in. No, we're not entitled to anything. Remember the parable about the, the, the Lord that put his, put his workers in the field and offered them a pity for the day for work? And some came in the morning, some came in the, in the noon hour, and some came in at the 11th hour, but they all got the same wage. I was saved when I was an eight year old boy. I turned 55 a couple of weeks ago. But I got the same salvation that Israel got. She's getting paid just like I am. I got the same salvation that Kendrick got, And it's good and it blesses me and it provides peace and joy along life's way. We all get paid the same and if it wasn't for that, we'd be burning. So we ought to praise the Lord That He had mercy on us. Not just the day He saved our souls. But again today. And again tomorrow. And again the next day. Because we are here to worship and to praise Him. If you're not here for that, why are you here? Amen. Preacher, you shouldn't make statements like that. What's your point? If you're not here to praise the Lord, what are you here for? If he's not done enough for you to be thankful, why are you here? All right. So the Pharisee got down to pray and he said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this guy. I'm not an extortioner. I'm not a liar. I've not committed adultery. I'm here ever service, Lord. I'm thanking you, Lord. That that I'm not like them, listen. This is flesh. And it's the same. <laughs> and the reason I'm not in the penitentiary is not because of the choices I've made. It's not The reason I'm not an adulterer is not because of the choices I've made. The reason I'm not a drunkard or a drunk addict is not because of the choices I've made. It's by the mercy and grace of God you're the same way there's no difference just the mercy of the Lord that's the only divider or separator between any of us all right I thank you Lord that I'm not like this man I fast twice weekly I give tithes of all that I possess and the Bible teaches tithing we can go back and look at that I believe I preached that to you Wednesday night about how Jacob said he'd give a tenth, but the New Testament says to give all. I'm here to tell you today, the Lord wants you. Now think about that, and i will preaching to you here lately about what exactly we are. Now let's take a look at that. What are we that God would want us? What are we that the Lord Jesus would want to give His life on Calvary for the likes of me and you? The Bible says God took a handful of dust, and made it into the, his image and his likeness and breathed in his nostrils and man became a living soul. So dust is all we are. You ladies clean house, you know what you do with dust, don't you? You suck it up with a vacuum. I've seen Tammy work. She takes the pledge and a rag and goes up, moves all the things. Sitting on the furniture, she tries her best to get rid of dust because it's of no value at all. That's who we are. We're just dust. And God in His wisdom, God with grace and mercy extended great salvation our way through His only begotten Son. I've got three sons. I try my best to talk to them three or four times a week. They're out of state. They're gone. Got one that lives in Newport. I try to talk to them. I would not give up one for the biggest drunk in cop County. You've got a daughter sitting right here that you love dearly. You'd never give her up to save the life of a drug addict or a drunkard. But I'm here to tell you today, Jesus gave His only begotten Son so that we can have salvation How? we need to praise him and worship him Amen. Amen. Becky sings a song the things that I love and hold dear to my heart they're borrowed. they're not mine at all Jesus only let me use them to brighten my life so remind me Remind me, dear Lord, he needs to, you need to sit down. You need to stop. Sit down. Take the inventory of who you were, what you were, and what the Lord's brought you through. You need to take a look at who you were, what you were, and where the Lord has brought you from. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. We could have been burning right now but for the mercy of the living God. Here we are, I'm gonna hustle just a second. So back. you give me another minute or two. This time last year, we were back in the building, but about a year and a half ago, last March or April, we had to shut the doors. We tried to carry out and continue on as best we could. We went almost a year, I guess, without Sunday school, didn't we? Look where we were. Where we are. Did you thank God you was able to meet with your class one more time today? Sunday school teachers, did your heart beat a little faster knowing you was going to get to stand before your class and share God's Word? That's Bottoms, was you excited to come to church this morning? Yeah. <coughs> Did you look forward to coming to church and hearing about the Lord and singing His praises and hearing the Gospel? That's how we are to be. And if it's a drudgery, if it's a chore, if you're thinking of the hundred other places you could be, you need to visit the altar. Because you could have been burning this very instant. It's by His mercy that we even get together. I don't know where this virus is going to go. I can't tell you. Some people say we need to just continue on and ignore it. Some people say we need to take all these precautions. I'll trust the Lord and I'll live for Him and I'll lift up His name and if they say we don't need to shake hands I won't shake your head Gary but I'll tell you i love you and you know I do because the actions that I take towards you I'm here to tell you today love's not in a handshake love's not in a hug love is from the heart and if we'll live for the Lord and show God's love we'll get to heaven one day and that's all that matters All right. So the public had prayed and he wouldn't up, even lift his head up toward heaven. You know what a publican is. You've been to Sunday school long enough to know that. He was a tax collector he wouldn't thought very well of. The world may not think much of you, but I'm here to tell you God loves you. He wouldn't even lift his head up but he, smote his, he didn't go about saying how faithful he had been in collecting taxes for the state, did he? He didn't brag on all the things that he did. These are the only words we hear the publican saying. Be merciful unto me, a sinner. Amen. Now this is not Mike's opinion. This is not Marty's opinion. This is not the Southern Baptist Association's opinion. This is the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus himself said the publican went down to his house justified. Why? Because of behavior. No, if that had been the case, the Pharisee would have been justified as well, wouldn't it? Because the publican asked for God's mercy. That's why he was justified. He realized there was nothing he could do. Did you realize there's nothing you can do? Nothing you can do that gets you closer to heaven. You just have to trust in the Lord and ask Him for His mercy. Amen. All right. And if the righteous scarcely shall be saved, where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? So I'm asking you, where are you in that equation? I'm talking to you personally this morning and if the righteous scarcely be saved where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear now we want to think on things in terms of a continuum don't we? here's the righteous here's the sinner and the ungodly I don't read of a title in between there did you? I didn't read of a place just below the righteous we might consider ourselves. Or maybe halfway on the continuum. I believe the scripture only noted three categories. The righteous, the sinner, and the ungodly. So I'm going to say we're one of the three. Which one do you fit in I'm going to say we're one of the three. Now that's pretty plain. I know that. But it's time that we quit making excuses. Yeah. It's time that we quit trying to justify our sin. It's time that we quit trying to justify our behavior, the things we do, and the things we say. We need, I know that, we, that no man is perfect. Jesus is the only one that ever walked the face of the earth that was perfect in his flesh. But the Bible says this. Strive for perfection. And I'm not going to mislead you. I appreciate men like Jess Miles. I appreciate men like, like Bonnie and, and Jay Lewis. I appreciate folks like Sharon and different ones that we've had here. I appreciate Hack and Jen Wilson and different ones that you know were godly. That you looked up to, that you admired, that lived right in front of you. But I'm not going to tell you they were perfect either. They were humans, they had flaws, but they strived for perfection. And I'm afraid our group, our age, men and women, our our elders, our, our young folks, we've all sinned and come short, way short of the mark of righteousness. So where are you? Are you at among the, the righteous, the sinner, or the ungodly? You know who I need to worry about? This fella right here. I need to make sure he's more righteous tomorrow than he was today. I can't fix Rick. Only Rick and the Lord can fix Rick. I read where Job made sacrifices for his children in case they sinned. But you know who had to get right for, for them? They had to get right for themselves. You will have to too. For the time has come and now is that judgment must first begin at the house of God. And if the righteous scarcely shall be saved, where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? Well, let me tell you. I've preached to you about the judgment. I've preached to you about salvation. Now let me preach to you what happens when you don't get saved. Let me preach to you what happens whenever you're saved and you don't do what God would have you to do. Did you know we've got sinners at Dutch Bottoms this morning? Amen? If we were more righteous now, preacher, this is between them and the Lord. I know that. But we need to make the decision a lot harder. We need to have more power. We need to have God on the scene, in the place. The Bible says this, and I believe the King James Version Bible, don't you? Amen. The Bible says this a sinner can't say it in the congregation of the righteous. What does that say when they come and sit in our congregation Sunday after Sunday? after Sunday, after Sunday. It's more of of an indictment on us than it is them. Did you know that? Let me tell you what happens, sinner, when you die. There was a certain rich man that fired sumptuously every day. This is Luke chapter 19, verse 16, beginning right there if you want to read it. And I'm not going to talk about Lazarus. I'm just going to talk about the rich man. The instant he died. Are you listening, sinner? The instant he died in hell, he lifted his eyes in torment. He never got out. He never burned up. He never escaped. As a matter of fact if we could read about him, if we could see him, if we could talk to him today, he'd still be doing the same thing. He'd be saying, get me out of here. Send Lazarus, have mercy. Help me, help me, help me. And he's carrying on like that for eternity because he's in torment and nothing is ever going to change about him. I'm here to tell you today, don't slip off into hell. Don't go there. Disregard me if you've lost confidence in me and look to Jesus because he's able to save your soul. I read in the Bible where he was able to save to the utter. Do I deserve it? No, I don't. But I was still saved. I had three boys. Let me tell this, and I'll be done. They all took their driver's test. And I'll not single him out, but I had one that thought he knew it. Had one thought he didn't need to read the book, and he knew all the rules of the road, and he'd be just fine. You know what happened when he took the test? He failed it. I said, son, you need to read the book. We rescheduled. He went back in. Guess what happened? He failed it again. And it took him twice failing to realize that I actually was telling him something he needed to listen to. Third time he went, he read the book before he went, and he passed it by one question. You know what happened? The state of Tennessee still gave him a driver's license because he passed. He didn't pass by a whole lot, but he passed enough to get his license. I didn't get saved by a whole lot. I just barely got it i didn't get saved by much if he gave me what i deserved i'd burn in hell if he gave me what the way i behaved the many times i've let him down i'd be burned right now but i got it i might not have got it by much we used to sing a song that said when he sees me he can look at me john and my life blackened by sin he can look at me at the times I've let him down, forsaken him, not done what he told me to do. He can look at me and see the disappointment that he had in me. But when he sees me, he sees the blood. Why? Because I'm covered in it. I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy of it. But I'm saved by the grace of God. Amen. This is something you don't need to put off. Come on. Marquita, play a little verse. This is something you don't need to put off. I, there are times I struggle, Johnny, and you know what I'm talking about. Times that I have to press toward it. But the Lord's helped me to preach for a few minutes this morning. Don't you want to be saved? Now, church... If we are what we say we are, while Marquita plays this song, we need to be praying. While Marquita plays this song, if we are what we say we are, if we're the righteous, we need to be praying that the Lord will save this morning at Dutch Bottoms. How about you? Where are you going when this life is over? How about you? If Jesus came today, if He came right now, where would you be? Would you go to heaven? Or would you have to go to hell? This is it right now. This is your opportunity. He's calling to you. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, now it's up to you. What are you going to do about it? If any man hear my voice and open it up, You've got to open the door. You've got to let Him in. He's not going to drag you by the higher of the head. It's by grace, through faith, that you're saved. There's a faith part. You've got to believe in Him. You've got to believe that He's able. And if you want it with all your heart, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. Neither is His ear heavy, that it cannot hear. I'm here to tell you today, if you want it more than anything, ask Jesus and He'll save you. Won't you come right now? You hear Him? Are you afraid? Are you afraid to die? Are you afraid that if you died right now, you'd go to hell? Now's the time to pray. Now's the time to ask Him to come in your heart. Let me tell you something. You don't have to understand it all. You don't have to be smart. Your family don't have to have a lot of money. But you have to have Jesus as your Savior. There's no other way to go to heaven. You have to ask Him. You're not going to get to go because mom and Papa went. You're not going to get to go because Mom and Dad are going. If you go to heaven, you will ask Jesus to save you. That's the only way to get there. You have to ask Him for yourself. The night I got saved, my dad knelt on one side of me, my mom knelt on the other, and they prayed, Sister Faith. They prayed that the Lord would save my soul, but I had to pray. I had to ask Jesus to save me. I had to ask for it. I heard a fellow say the other day that he was so backward when he was a boy, he'd have his sister to ask for things for him. Your sister, your brother can't ask for you. You have to ask to be saved for yourself. Why don't you ask Him? Why don't you call on Him right now? Why don't you come? Why don't you ask Jesus to save you? Look right here. I'm telling you, you need Jesus right now. I'm telling you, you need to be saved right now. Why don't you come today and ask Jesus to come into your heart? This is my prayer for you. I pray He'll save you. And I pray he won't leave you alone until you get saved. I pray he'll lay that fear on your heart. Preacher, why would you pray something like that? Because I don't want to see you go to hell. I love you. Surely you know that by now. It tickles me to see you coming to church. Puts a smile on my face when I see you walk through the door. I don't want to see a time when you're not here and you're in hell. That that time may very well come, unless you ask Jesus in your heart. Don't think you can't get it, he'll save all. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Why don't you come right now? Amen, just as I am. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to clean anything up. I've seen people worry, well, what, what if this one's not there whenever they come? It doesn't matter. As long as Jesus is there, that's all that matters. Wouldn't you like to be saved this morning? It's real simple. If it was complicated, do you think I'd ever got it? You know how, how stupid and ignorant I am it was complicated you think I would got saved he'll save you if you will ask him won't you come won't you call on him? I hope the Lord just keeps knocking keeps troubling your heart all right anybody got anything on your heart if not training union at five service at six tonight young folks I'm really proud of you let's keep it going let's keep working Old folks, I'm really proud of you. Let's stay in here, let's keep working, let's keep going until we see your people saved. Middle-aged folks, I love you too. Keep it up, let's keep it going. You're at liberty until tonight.